Hello and welcome to Startup. I'm Alex Bloomberg, and we are at the third and final episode of Startup ever. The last episode of the last season of the very first podcast Gimlet ever launched. We're taking you inside the sale of Gimlet to the streaming giant Spotify. Just a quick note here at the top, there is some swearing in this episode. Last episode, Matt and I had just come back from a whirlwind trip to Stockholm right before Thanksgiving to meet with Daniel Ek, the CEO of Spotify. And although no one had officially told us this, that trip had the feel of a final hurdle before Spotify made an official offer to buy us. And so, you might be wondering, what's it like to go to Thanksgiving with your entire family, your aunts and uncles and cousins, in the house where you grew up and your parents still live, after just returning from a 22-hour round-trip excursion to Sweden, where you may or may not have passed what may or may not have been the most bizarre oral exam of your entire life? It was fine. Just kidding. It was really weird. My entire family was buzzing with questions. What was it like? What did he say? What did you say? What does this all mean? And it was hard to know what to think. For one thing, there was the money. Many tens of millions of dollars. Money that would go to our investors, our employees, and of course, to Matt and me personally. Now, here's a quick review of my work history. After graduation, I went into nonprofit social service. From there, I taught middle school, and then I went to making the big bucks as a public radio journalist. Not to say I was poor, not at all. You can do pretty well with a career in public radio, and I did. In fact, running Gimlet, I was actually making less than when I was working in public radio. But the point is, no one would look at my career as an attempt to maximize earning potential. And like most people, I didn't go around randomly imagining, what if I was living in a bizarro alternate existence where I suddenly had more money in the bank than I'd ever earned over the course of my entire career? But now... After this trip to Sweden, that bizarro alternate existence was becoming realer and realer. And the realer it got, the more it felt like something I could lose rather than some weird fantasy that I'd never had in the first place. But the money was only part of it. Gimlet was a company that Matt and I had built from nothing. It employed over 100 people who we cared about deeply. We made work that felt meaningful and important. If this acquisition happened, would all that change? So yeah, it was a weird Thanksgiving. And then, a week after we got back, we got what's called a letter of intent. It's a short document, a couple pages long, saying we, Spotify, would like to officially begin discussions on buying your company, Gimlet. Here's the proposed price. Here are the terms. It is, in other words, an official declaration of interest, an invitation to really learn if an acquisition makes sense for both parties, for Spotify to learn if we are the business they thought we were, and for us to find out whether Spotify would be a good home. Oh, man. It's 5.30 in the morning. Um, I've been awake for half an hour. I wake up at, like, I wake up at 5. I wake up at between 4 and 5 every single morning now. There were many nights during this period where I would jolt awake in bed filled with anxiety. And what was weird, the anxiety was about both potential outcomes. What if over the next couple of months, Spotify decided they didn't want to buy us? Then my current life, which just a month or two ago I would have told you was pretty ideal, a family I loved, a job that gave me meaning, would now seem like a sad consolation prize. But on the other hand, what if they did buy us? I had a dream around this period that I'd casually handed my children over to some other family. I woke up in a cold sweat. Why had I done that? So early one morning like this, after lying awake for an hour or so, I decided to at least get these jumbled thoughts down on tape. You know, as I do 
So I crept out of bed, taking care not to wake my wife, Nazanin, who was asleep next to me. And I went into the living room to record into my phone. All the feelings are crazy. So there's this, like, on the one hand, you're like, no, I don't want to... I don't want to sell, because, like, what if everything changes? Now, just to give you a visual, our apartment is pretty small, and our living room couch, where I was sitting, is located directly opposite the door to my kids' room. And as I mid-sentence on the couch, out of their room, walks my wife, Nazanin. Hello. You're on the phone? No, I'm... No, I'm not on the phone. I'm recording. Where, were you in... Were you... How long have you been in there? I've been awake since 3.30. Well, well come on down. <laughs> Wait. Uh, I thought you were on the phone. I was like, who's he talking to? What are you talking to at 5.30 in the morning? God knows these days. I don't fucking know. <laughs> could be talking to anyone. <laughs> Me and Daniel Eck. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is a condition of the sale. He has to talk to me at 5.30 every morning. <laughs> I had no idea you were in their room. Oh, you thought you were sleeping next to me? Yeah. No, you're sleeping next to Calvin. Oh, that's Calvin? Yeah. <laughs> when did Calvin come in that room? He had a nightmare. Oh, no. Yeah. What was his nightmare? Wait, when did this all happen? 3.30. Ah. Uh, so he woke me up and then I couldn't go back to sleep. Oh. Yeah. Oh, my God. What woke you up? What are you worried about? I don't, I don't, I don't know. I just like generalized, like, I don't know. The uncertainty of the future. I have a couple different recordings from this period where Nazi and I would both be up late at night weighing the pros and cons. On the pro side, Spotify has nearly a quarter billion users. And so it could really help us solve this perennial problem that we had, getting the podcasts we make in front of more people. And they could also potentially solve another problem for us, which is how do we find new audiences for our shows? Like, for example, our show Mogul, a documentary series about key figures in the history of hip-hop. With Spotify, we could conceivably get Mogul in front of users who streamed the artists we were profiling in the series, for example, or users who subscribed to hip-hop playlists. As we considered how easy that hypothetical future would make things, a weird thing happened. It drove home to us just how hard it was doing the thing we'd been doing. Like, I think for a long time, I was at least, like, just pushing down the feelings of, like, fear and we're on our own and we're trying to make this company work and we have to, like, make a profit and we have to do this and we have to do that and, like, that just felt like what we have to do. And it's always been this crazy feeling like this crazy uphill battle. Yeah. Like, it's such a slog sometimes. But on the other hand, the idea of not being in charge of that slog, when we closed our eyes and imagined actually selling the company, showing up to work and having somebody else be our boss, what did that look like? It's just sad. There's a part of it that's sad. Yeah, yeah. We've just lived in this very specific little world for like four years. Like we made this thing, like we built this thing, we made up a lot of stuff. We like called ourselves executives, (laughs) like gave ourselves titles and 
you know, we're like running this company and that's going to end. Yeah. So that's sad. Was it sad enough not to do it, though? Sad enough not to solve all the problems an acquisition would solve? Sad enough to turn down the money for ourselves and our employees, almost all of whom had equity in the company? It's one of those questions you can't really answer in the middle of the night. Mm. It's okay. We just have to, like... We just have to talk it through. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to go lay back down. (laughs) All right. I'm going to, too. Okay. So that was the night. During the day, there was a lot to do. Remember, this period after the LOI, the letter of intent, it was a time for both of us, Spotify and Gimlet, to decide whether we wanted to go through with the acquisition. And for Spotify, that meant asking lots and lots and lots of questions about our business. They had sent us this massive spreadsheet, each row a request for a different kind of data. Copies of an entire year's bank account statements, that was one row, Three years of 1099 forms, that was another row. There were over 100 rows. Here's Matt. Like we would get these emails that would have like, you know, dozens or hundreds of questions that you had to answer and data that you had to provide. So it would be, you know, super detailed questions about like, you know, send us a list of all the employees and what cities they're in or send us you know, historical download data going back years across every show. Um, What percentage of listeners of every little thing are in the state of Alabama versus listeners of Reply All in the state of Alabama? Stuff that you would just be like, what are we going to do with this? When you're going through a process like that, everything that comes up feels like it could potentially kill the deal Here's Jim Grau, our VP of Finance, who is fielding all the Spotify data requests. Every data point that you're sending through that you're like, oh, that doesn't make us look very good, or um, or question that you're answering that doesn't make Gimlet look uh, necessarily the best, or um, issue that you're raising, it all feels like it could derail the deal. And I'm not the kind of person who gets... Uh, stressed out very easily. I don't worry very much, um, for better or for worse. But uh, there, were, there were different moments where I felt physically out of breath. It all felt really high stakes, yeah. A big part of the anxiety was simply the uncertainty. What was all of this going to mean for us? What was going to change? Matt and I had had one conversation with Daniel Eck in Stockholm, and he had painted a picture where Gimlet would be almost entirely independent. We'd stay in our offices, make all our own editorial decisions. But maybe telling the company you're acquiring that nothing will change, that's just a thing you say. Also, we wouldn't be reporting directly to Daniel. What if whoever we did wind up reporting to, I don't know, canceled all our shows or forced us to make nothing but keeping up with the Kardashians recap podcasts? What exactly was their vision for us? Uh, blah, 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 blah. All right, so we're running through these questions. All right, so... Early in January, we got a first chance to actually meet and get to know our counterparts at Spotify, the folks we'd be working with and reporting to. This was our chance to find out what were they like? Would we get along, see eye to eye, care about the same things? 
And of course, from their point of view, it was a chance to learn how we did things. And so they had sent us a long list of questions that they wanted us to answer at the meeting. The night before, Nazni and I went over them. Should we just do it? Let's just do like a lightning round. Let's just do it fast. Okay. A lightning round of like 60 questions. Okay. <laughs> okay. Is it really 60 questions? No. I mean, it looks like 30 questions. Okay. 30 questions, yeah. And these questions, as we made our way through them, they made me realize just how unfamiliar our business was to Spotify. All right. Okay. Um, so how does the company discover new ideas? I mean, what I would say is... I guess that's sort of like, how do we decide what kind of podcast that we want? Or I guess decide on new ideas? Mm-hmm. Um, Part of the reason we're struggling is that this question, where do you get your new ideas from, it is the core question to everything we do. And the dirty little secret of being a content company is that no one really knows the answer to this question. Every day is a search for new ideas. Anytime I find a good one, even after 25 years in the business, it still feels like a miracle. So to see that where do you get your ideas question, the existential question at the center of everything we do, as one of 30 in a spreadsheet, it really brought home how different we were from Spotify. Answering the questions felt sort of like describing the human body to an alien. What do you call this? A hand? What does it do? Nazanin and I really wondered, how's this meeting going to go? Oh, God. <laughs> how are you feeling? Oh. What's the matter? I'm just, I'm... What's stressing know. you out the most about this? I I don't know. It's just, it's very, str- like, I don't, I don't know what's important to them. I don't know. I just don't know. The next day, we went to the meeting. There was a guy named Courtney who ran the part of Spotify that makes podcasts. And Sheila, of course, who was in charge of the acquisition. And Brian, the head of sales. And mostly what we did was talk. They asked us the questions they'd sent. How do we think about new show development? How do we decide which shows to greenlight? How do we know when a show is working or not? And we gave the answers we'd rehearsed the night before. The meeting lasted all day. We got home that evening. Nazanin and I debriefed. One, two, there we go. All right. What did you, uh, what did you think of that? What did you think of that meeting? Uh, I thought it was... I just can't believe, I just cannot believe that this is like, it just, that this might be happening and it just made it feel more real. What I'd been struck by during the meeting was the way they talked about podcasts. They seemed to actually have a genuine appreciation for what we were doing and just wanted us to keep doing it. Courtney asked me repeatedly, what is the thing keeping you from doing more work that you want to do? And how can Spotify help clear the way? They seemed sincere in wanting to help further our ambitions, not diminish or change them. They displayed no interest in weighing in editorially. If anything, they wanted us to give them notes on how to make podcasts, not the other way around. I found it very relieving the way they were talking about programming and what's good and how to make good things and like all that all that stuff like i found it like basically like i felt like they'll care you know about like i felt like they cared mm-hmm. about good things basically 
And so my fear was always that like somebody would come and offer a lot of money and I would feel compelled to take it. And it would be a much worse situation on the other side. Like mm-hmm. it, then it would really suck. And then two months down the road, I would like wish Thank that you. I hadn't done it, mm-hmm. you know? And what I feel like after this meeting is that like, I think the chances of that happening are less than I might have I might have thought before this meeting. Uh-huh. Like I think the chances that it could actually be this bizarre situation where it'll be better. Like I think there's a possibility that it would be better for everybody. Uh-huh. You know, and that's cr- that's sort of crazy. I think, but I think that's a distinct possibility. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe. You hear that? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe. I get that a lot. One of the big differences between me and Nazneen is how we look at the future. She's a realist, bordering on pessimistic. I'm an optimist, bordering on delusional. A key feature of my blind optimism, I become fixated that out of all possible outcomes, the best one will definitely happen. I was doing that now. I could feel myself. We were going to get all the benefits, and we wouldn't have to change a single thing about what we were doing. Everything was going to be the same, only better. Coming up, a reality check. That's after the break. Welcome back to Startup. At a certain point, as we were talking to Spotify about what an acquisition would look like, Matt and I got together with our executive coach, Jerry Colonna. He's been on the podcast before. So how are you guys feeling? Uh, I'm really happy for me. It's like a huge weight off my chest. And I feel, I feel similarly. Um, I was feeling good, but I know myself, my own optimistic tendencies. And I told Jerry that I was afraid I was feeling good because I was telling myself a story that wasn't true, that the acquisition wouldn't change things, but only make them better. And at least the way they're talking initially is like, they want us to basically continue operating mostly how we have, like they don't want to be too, too in our business. Um, but like how much of a fantasy is that? <laughs> Tell me straight. It's really rare that that happens. Um, it's hard for me to say to what degree, if at all, it's a fantasy because I don't know Spotify. I don't know the people and I don't know the culture. Right. And my inclination would be to give them the benefit of the doubt. Um, from the outside, I've seen successful integration at places like Google for certain entities, and I've seen unsuccessful. I've seen all those promises dashed. Right. And that's usually the case. Mm-hmm. I'll be honest with you. I mean, usual as in like, I'm pulling it number out of the air, 75%, 80% of the time. There's, you know, there's always a kind of a shotgun wedding aspect to these kinds of deals. Um, Daniel may have wanted to acquire Gimlet for a while. Daniel and a group of senior leaders may have wanted to acquire Gimlet for a while. But there are a whole bunch of people sort of below the, Daniel and that senior team organizationally for whom they, they may not may or may not have opined. 
And now they're being tasked with figuring out a way to make this work. That's hard. It is occurring to me as you're saying this. I, I agree with what you're saying. And like the, the, the research tells us that most majority of acquisitions don't work, i.e. they don't generate more value than was spent to make the acquisition. They, 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 they may be financially accretive. I believe way. financially they are not. Mm-hmm. On average, more than half. Wow. So, which is one of, it's one of those like business facts. It's like, well, why do people keep doing that? <laughs> because they're empire builders and they have strategies and they're- but, Well, and because when they work, they work really well. Yeah. yeah, yeah. My advice to you at this stage is begin starting to have that conversation. Begin assuming that you have a joint set of objectives. Right. And work towards that. Um, I think one of the things I've seen um, do seen that happen that that doom post acquisition integration is um, the defensive nature of both parties. Mm-hmm. Well, you're going to do it the way we did it because we bought you, right? Or you're going to leave us alone because your boss promised that you were going to leave us alone. Mm-hmm. Right. And the They're truth going- is. The, the truth is, Daniel's got a big, big company he's got to run. Right. right. There's he, only so many times we can say. Yeah. Well, Daniel's dead. That's right. Right, right, right. That, that's yeah. right. That's right. And what you really want is to, is to come in and say, okay, let's roll up our sleeves and build the big vision here. What are the new things that we can do that we could never do before? And that's what's really interesting. Uh, you know, lean on the creativity. How many employees does Spotify have? 3,000. 3,000. Yeah. There's almost everything about their culture is going to be different. Right? And and to pretend that that isn't so is setting yourself up for massive disappointment, massive frustration. Yeah. Yeah. But just because it's different doesn't mean it has to be bad what jerry was saying was that there was a fundamental logical conflict in what i was telling myself that things would both simultaneously stay the same but also be different better they were going to get better they were going to change and i needed to be open to that and as the weeks passed and our talks with spotify continued i found myself beginning to let go to stop resisting the inevitable changes. I even started to get excited about them. There's a lot to be excited by. Spotify is a big, successful company with lots of smart people. If I was just worried about keeping things the same, there would be opportunities that I would miss. But we still needed to make it happen. The deal wasn't actually signed. There were still a million little niggly details to wrap up. And we were approaching a deadline, Spotify's quarterly earnings report. Daniel XPR team had been preparing for weeks for that deadline. The plan was to use the earnings report to then publicly proclaim Spotify's ambitions beyond music. And a big part of that was announcing the acquisition of us. But Daniel couldn't announce that until he had a signed merger agreement, the 100-page fleshing out of the terms put forward in that LOI, the letter of intent. And late into the night before he was supposed to appear, we were still finalizing the language. Um. What time is it right now? 
Twelve forty-two a.m. Middle of the night. And what are we? And what? What are we? What are we doing? Emailing the lawyers. And I am signed off. This is taped from Tuesday night around midnight, just hours before Daniel Eck was scheduled to go on TV and tell the world that he had acquired Gimlet. Matt and I and Jim were bleary-eyed in a conference room, still without a signed document. And eventually, around three that morning, the last I was dotted. There was just one last bit of official business, a final board meeting. Hey, guys, it's Tim. Hey, Tim. Hey, guys, Dan. Hey, Dan. Hey, Dan. So you got Alex, Matt, and Jim, and we're waiting on Gunderson. And um, just so you guys know, I'm memorializing this moment for a potentially future startup episode. Alex Bloomberg wants to record this call uh, for potential use on startup. Is everyone okay with that? I mean, I You guys think it's it's too too hot for broadcast? Too hot? I'll turn it off. I tried, but I could tell you what happened. Our lawyer took us through a final board meeting. The entire board had been on the phone with us throughout the evening, so they knew exactly what was going on. But nevertheless, to make it official, our lawyer called us all to order. He announced to us the purpose of this 3 a.m. board meeting, which was to consider selling the company to Spotify. And he laid out all the reasons an acquisition was in the interests of the shareholders of Gimlet Media. And then we all voted. It was unanimous. I considered voting no just for laughs, but something about the ritual of it, it made it feel like it wasn't the time for jokes. And then we signed the merger agreement we just finalized, and it was over. We were now part of Spotify. The next morning was a whirlwind, and I remember it only as a bunch of hazy moments that feel surreal even in retrospect. I know that I got up early to send an email entitled Big News to our staff. Many people already knew a deal was coming, but I wanted to make it official. I know that Matt and I did an interview with the journalist Peter Kafka, in which we sound excited, but also a little manic and sleep-deprived. And I know that after all that, at 9 a.m., we held an all-staff at the Gimlet offices. A couple of staff members recorded it on their cell phones. <laughs> the news is official. Uh, and uh, we wanted to talk about, we wanted to take uh, this today to answer questions, to talk through. In this meeting, Matt and I were true to form. I thanked everyone who works at Gimlet and then broke down crying. This is the validation that all of you gave to us when you agreed to leave the jobs that you had and take this journey with us. Um, and so my overwhelming feeling today is one of gratitude. Matt made a joke about being the emotionally unavailable one. Um, okay. That's Matt's turn to cry. <laughs> I don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> and then he explained why we decided to go through with this acquisition. Um, look, we're, we're thrilled that we've landed in this place. And we wanted to explain a little bit about how we got here. Um, we introduced Spotify CEO Daniel Eck who answered questions from the staff about the acquisition, which was the largest one Spotify had ever done. Later that day, after the announcements and the meetings, I wandered into Gimlet's boardroom, where we'd spent most of the night before, and I found Matt sitting there by himself. I asked him how he felt, and for the first time in the five years I'd known him, he started crying. With relief, happiness, pride. In that moment, it hit us both. Look what we did. 
The day wrapped up with a party at Spotify's offices in Manhattan. Now, in the entire four and a half years of Gimlet's existence, we have never had a party for the whole staff at 5 p.m. on a Thursday afternoon. A party with an actual musical guest and food and drinks. A party that we all got to by boarding charter buses sent to our offices in Brooklyn. Devin Taylor, an editor at Gimlet, was the only one with the wherewithal to actually take out our phone and record the moment. So, why wasn't I doing this? So <laughs> I don't know. It's the only way I know how to process this experience. Oh, my God. People were walking around in a daze. There's a lot of change to process. I saw the host of the Gimlet podcast, Every Little Thing, Flora Lichtman. I feel very overwhelmed. I feel shell-shocked. I know. Like, I feel like I can't process it, and I don't know why. I mean, it's very weird to walk into work and then be an employee of another company that you never, like, you know, it's like a arranged I know. marriage. It's a, it feels like, like a complete arranged, arranged marriage. marriage. Yes. I know. I know. At a certain point, yeah, Flora's like, producer, Phoebe Flanagan, walked by. We asked her how she was feeling. It was a version of what a lot of us were feeling. Excited, but also nervous that maybe things were going to change. I had a, a nightmare on Saturday night where, like, we had been all, like, funneled into this building. And there were, like, hundreds of employees. And I was like, where is everyone? And they're like, your lunch is a $10 cantaloupe. And I was like, what? $10? I mean, I have gotten, I've known them for longer than you guys have. And, like, like I, I feel like... I have surveyed all the outcomes and all the pluses and minuses and all the costs and benefits and like I can say with certainty that this is our this is the best. It does feel there's like a lot of similarities. It really does. It feels like there's culturally a lot of similarity. They like to party more than we do. They're a little cooler. But that's okay, yeah. Yeah. Looking around, I could see so many people that I'd spent the last four years with. People who started when Gimlet was just Matt and me in a dusty rented office at 33 Flatbush Avenue in downtown Brooklyn. My wife Nazanin came through the crowd, holding up her cell phone. I was going to try to take a panoramic picture of everyone here. I was just we were like looking through old pictures from like 33 Flatbush, and I was like, I have no, I took zero. I don't ever take pictures of anything. Yeah. I'd been looking through those old pictures also, remembering that old office the dusty furniture, the moths that lived in our recording studio, the constant disconcerting smell of cooking gas. Back then, what we were doing had seemed cool and brave and glamorous. But looking back through those photos, I'd been struck with this retrospective impulse to protect all those people in those pictures. I wanted to tell them all, go back to your real jobs in your real offices, as if I was finally appreciating how crazy and risky and hard this thing was that we'd been trying to do. A few years from now, what would I feel looking at the photos Nazneen was taking tonight? I know I wouldn't feel the same fear for the livelihoods of the people in those pictures. We now worked in a real office with 401ks and stock options. We're no longer a small, scrappy band of podcast true believers out to convince the world. We now had a big global company that believed with us. But just like in those old photos, all of us in this room were on the cusp of something new, something we couldn't see yet. Just like back then, there was this buzzy electric feeling, like we're pushing into the unknown to find something better.
As I say these words, it's been about six months since that party. Six months being part of Spotify. And some things have changed. A lot of folks on the commercial side, sales and marketing and finance, are starting to get absorbed into Spotify. We all have Spotify email addresses now. We have snacks in the kitchen. Our healthcare is much better. And we're hard at work on a new Keeping Up With The Kardashians recap podcast. I'm just kidding about that last one. On the editorial side, mostly things are the same. We're still making all of our shows. All of our shows, I should say. Except one. This one. Startup. As you've been hearing me say, this is the last episode ever of the Startup series. What started as four or five episodes chronicling my attempt to start a company grew into five years of programming. Five years during which we launched our startup, grew our startup, and have now graduated from being a startup. And so I want to say something that I say at the end of every show, but I really want to emphasize it this time. Thanks for listening. I want to say it so that you hear how much I mean it. Because without you, the listeners of Startup, literally none of this would have been possible. We threw our story out there hoping it would connect, and we never dreamed that so many of you would come along on the ride with us. That support, that interest in our journey, the fact that I could feel you all rooting for us all along the way, is more meaningful than I think you could ever realize. So once again, for good measure, thank you all so, so, so much for listening. A couple more notes. We are also making lots more stuff. The message from Spotify is still dream big, make the things you love. And so we are. We'll be keeping the startup feed live and we'll be using it as a place to share the big new stuff we dream up and other Gimlet news. So if you've been on this journey from the beginning and you still want to hear what we're up to, I'll be back here from time to time to share news and announcements with you. Also, I make this other show now called Without Fail. It's a show where I talk to artists, entrepreneurs, athletes, visionaries of all kinds about their successes and their failures, what they've learned from both of them. It has been a blast doing the show. We're going to cross-post episodes of that show here in the Startup channel as well. So the Startup feed will live on with interviews by me every week and news and announcements of other stuff that comes up. Finally, I want to take a moment to thank all the people who've worked at Gimlet over the years and helped build the company into what it is today. We wouldn't be here without you. And a special thank you to the people who helped document it along the way, the startup team. There have been so many people who've contributed their energy and creativity to making the show over the past five years, some of whom are still at Gimlet, some of whom have moved on to other jobs. I want to shout out two people in particular, Caitlin Roberts, our first employee ever at Gimlet, who we hired as a producer in 2014, who listened to and transcribed all those first cringy pitches, painful conversations, worried late-night confessionals, and who grew into one of our most valuable producers. She's currently living and working in Berlin. And also our host for many of those years, Lisa Chow, who during her time as host of Startup did amazing, groundbreaking, and award-winning journalism. She's taken her considerable talents to The Daily, the New York Times Daily News podcast. You should definitely check her out there. And I want to thank all the other people who made the show over the years. There are many, many of you, and I want to mention you all by name. So here goes. Thank you to Bruce Wallace, Luke Malone, Eric Mennel, Manuel Berry, Simone Polanin, Amy Standen, Lauren Silverman, Lisa Pollock, Peter Clowney, Heather Rogers, Sarah Saracen, Pat Walters, Caitlin Kenny, Annie Rose Strasser, John Delore, Matt Bull, Haley Shaw, Bobby Lord, Peter Leonard, Dave Herman, Mark Phillips, Andrew Dunn, Drew Nellis, Dan Charles, Alvin Melleth, Max Gibson, Sindhu Yanisimbanden, Angelina Mosier, Ali Johns, Michelle Harris, Martin Peralta, Rachel Strom, Lulu Miller, and Stevie Lane. Whew, there's a lot of you. I hope I didn't miss anyone. 
And of course, there are so many more of you who sat in on edits and gave notes over the last five years. Thank you all so, so much. Today's episode of Startup is hosted by me and produced by Molly Messick and Chris Neary. It's edited by me and Devin Taylor. Mixing and music by Emma Munger. Additional music by hotmoms.gov, Bobby Lord, Jupiter, and Surf. Five years ago, Mark Phillips wrote and performed our original theme song. We've been using it to this day. Five years ago, Build Buildings wrote and performed our special ad music. Same deal. Thank you, guys. If listening to these episodes of Startup makes you want to go back and listen to all of our Gimlet episodes over the years, you are in luck. We've collected them all in a special Spotify playlist. Go to gimlet.media slash startup. And you can, of course, get every episode of the show for free through Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. For the last time ever. Thanks for listening.